So this is um, uh, a message that I've been personally excited to share with you for the better part of nine months. Uh, and I say that because uh, nine months ago, uh, we started, uh, myself and Paul Fleming, another elder here, and, and kind of our leadership team, uh, we started asking this question. And it was a very simple question, but it was a powerful question. What are we really doing? Like as a church, what is it that we are really trying to do? What is it we're really trying to uh, accomplish? And again, this might seem like a, a no-brainer type of a question, uh, but nine months ago, we started really wrestling with this question. Uh, and just to let you know, if we don't have an answer, or if you don't have an answer to that question, then what often is going to happen is you're just going to kind of drift, and you'll just go through the motions. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I don't want my life just to be going through the motions, just trying to get through a day, just trying to survive whatever is happening in my life. I don't want to just drift through life. Uh, and so we started really asking the question, what is it we're really trying to do? And just to be fair, we weren't asking that question because we didn't have an idea as to what we were doing, but we started asking more questions. Are we actually accomplishing what we say we're trying to do? Uh, we have an idea of what we're doing, but is it, is it actually working? Uh, are we actually accomplishing what we feel like God has told us to do as a community? Uh, and then the second question was, uh, who actually knows what we're trying to do as a church? Uh, if you were just to ask people in the community, hey, what is it Genesis is trying to do? How many different answers would we actually get? Uh, and so over the past nine months, we've been having some really, really good, thoughtful engaging, very prayerful times of trying to figure out how are we actually answering these questions. And I know it might seem very simple, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but to be honest, sometimes you begin doing so much that slowly over time, you begin to lose sight of what it is you're supposed to be doing. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that. You just feel like, gosh, I'm doing so much. Uh, there's so much happening. I'm busy all the time. I'm tired all the time that you're doing and doing and doing and going and going and going that somewhere along the way, you start to lose sight of what is it you're actually supposed to be doing. And so that's the question that we've been really thinking about and praying about and talking about. Six years ago, when Genesis started as a church, uh, if you were to ask us, hey, what are you trying to do as a church? Uh, we said, hey, there's three words that are kind of serving as our, our guide as to what we are doing as a church. Uh, begin, belong, believe. I don't know if you've ever seen the words, but they're kind of plastered on pretty much everything. Uh, and so begin, belong, believe. And six years ago when we started, it seemed rather simple. It's just three words. How complicated could it be to remember three words? And obviously, there was nothing wrong with the words, and it's not hard to remember those words, but what we started to find uh, is that those words just meant very different things to different people, and there was just a lot of different, there was not a clear articulation of what it is we're trying to do. Uh, and so today, I'm excited to share with you that we're putting to bed, putting to rest those three words. Uh, they have been very helpful to us. They've certainly been very instructive in terms of just guiding things that we've been doing. Uh, but if you're new or newer to Genesis, one of the things that I hope you would appreciate or be encouraged by uh, is that we're not committed to doing something just because that's what we've always done. Uh, if there is a better way to help 
understand, articulate what it is God wants us to be doing as a people, as a church, then we're going to go with that. It's another way of saying there's no sacred cows. Uh, Begin, belong, believe has been in my heart and in my head for the better part of a decade. Uh, And so I don't stand here flippantly and be like, well, forget that. Let's move on to something new. Uh, But over the last nine months, we've been having great conversations of how do we best articulate uh, so that everyone who's going to be part of this community has beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what we are doing. This is what we are all about. Uh, Before I share that with you, uh, I wanted to ask you what I think is a really, really crucial question, and it would simply be this. What are you doing? What are you doing? Or maybe another way just to ask that question is, what is it that you're about? Um, What is the what in what you are doing? Maybe another way to even ask it is, what is your mission? If the what of what you're doing, what, what is that? How would you even articulate? Someone comes up to you and just asks you the question, hey, what are you doing with your life? Like day in, day out, what is the, the thing that is shaping every moment, every conversation? What is the thing that is shaping how you work, how you live, how you interact? Like, how would you even begin to articulate the what of what you're doing or the mission of what you are doing? Let's be honest. How many of us could actually say with confidence, conviction, and clarity, here's my what? And I'm not talking about like coming up with a cleverly drafted mission statement that's memorized but just doesn't mean much. I'm talking about when someone asks, you can say with conviction, and it also would be compelling to say, you want to know what my what is or what my mission is? It's this. This is the guiding thing that is guiding everything that I do. I think if we're honest, many of us, we're lacking that. And because we're lacking that, we experience a lot of drifting or a lot of just kind of going through the motions. So as you're thinking about mission, as you're thinking about your what, I wanted to ask you some thoughtful questions along those lines. Uh, When you think about your what and how you articulate it, is your what, is it God-centered? When you put you know, a sentence to the what of what you're doing or to the mission, is it God-centered? Meaning, is your mission, is your what consistent with what we know God would want us to do with our lives? Or is it consistent with what everyone else around us is telling us to do with our lives? There's a big difference. So is your what, is your mission, is it consistent with God and what God wants you to be doing? Or is it just consistent with what the world around you tells You know, find that relationship, find that girl, find that guy, get married, have kids, get a job, make some money, get a house, travel once in a while. If you can, get some nice cars along the way. Social, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not knocking any of those things, but is the what or your mission, is it a God-centered what or God-centered mission? A second question I would ask you would be this, is your what or your mission, is it God-sized? When I mean God-sized, I mean whatever your what is, your mission, do you actually need God in your life to accomplish it? Or could you actually accomplish it without God in your life just because you're willing to work hard? One of the questions that uh, I ask a lot in marriage counseling, uh, whether doing postmarital or premarital counseling, is just a simple question. What do you really want your marriage to be about? And 
I'm not exaggerating. Nine times out of ten, we just we want to have a good marriage. And I'm like, well, you don't even need God in your life to have a good marriage. If you're just halfway decent to each other, you'll probably have a halfway decent marriage. So they look at me with somewhat shock, and I say, I'm pretty confident God wants you to experience more than just a good marriage. So is your what? Is your mission, is it a God-centered thing, meaning, or God-sized thing, meaning if God doesn't show up and God's not in your life, then the what or the mission is not actually going to happen. Now, this is a general statement, but here's my general observation. Lots of people spectate in churches, and I'm just saying Genesis, in churches in general, lots of people spectate in churches not because of a lack of clarity around the what or the mission of the church, but because there is a lack of clarity and conviction around a personal what or personal mission. So there's lots of people who will attend churches across the country and they will spectate, they will consume, they will enjoy, they will observe often from a distance and they might even clap and cheer and say, man, that's great stuff you guys are doing. But from a distance, you'll do that and then kind of head off into doing what you ultimately want to do with the life that God's given you. Uh, let's be honest, show of hands, how many people would, this is participation here, how many people would love to see the New England Patriots win a second Super Bowl or back-to-back? Or fifth one, right? I think many of us, unless you're not really from New England and don't really care, I think most of us would say, yeah, we would so love to see New England win back-to-back Super Bowls. Uh, I think if you ask New England Patriots, hey, Bill Belichick, what is the what of what you're trying to do? What is the mission of what you're trying to do? The 50 or 60 guys on that team and the coaching staff, I'm pretty confident they would say, our what? You want to know what our what is? It's to win Super Bowl. And so my question to you would be just simply this. How many of you are committed to doing whatever it takes to help the Patriots accomplish their what? How many of you, like, I I mean, I'm guessing, like, I'll cheer for the Patriots. I watched the game on Thursday nights. I was screaming. How many of us are, would say, I am absolutely committed to doing whatever it takes to help the Patriots accomplish their what or their mission? I, I think most people would say, no, I'll, I'll watch, I'll spectate, I'll cheer, I'll even maybe paint my face or my chest once in a while, but that's the best they're going to get from me, and that makes sense. Why? Well, because their mission is not your mission. Their what is not really consistent with your what, and because it's not consistent with your what, you'll spectate, you'll watch, you'll enjoy, you'll consume, you'll cheer, but because there's a divide between your what and their what, there's, there's that growing divide. And so, again, my point here is, is very simple. If your what or mission is God-centered and God-sized, then when you come across a community whose what or mission is consistent with yours, well, you know what will happen? You won't be a spectator. If your mission, how you answer the question of what you are doing with your life, if you come across a community where they so line up, you will not consume and you won't be a spectator. You will engage and you will invest in that community for doing so. You're actually helping to accomplish your what, uh, the mission that God has given you. So we're talking about the what or mission today. So it would be utterly not helpful for me to invite you to be part of the what of Genesis if there's 
a lack of clarity or conviction around your what, around your mission. And so I just want to ask again, what is your what? What is your mission? What is the thing that shapes what you do every single day? What is the what that shapes the conversations that you have with people? What is the what that shapes how you work, how you play, how you study, how you interact with your neighbors? What is your what? Now, here's the thing. We could come up with our our own version of what, and certainly the church could do the same thing, but I just want to take a moment before I share with you the what of Genesis moving forward, the mission of Genesis moving forward. I want to share with you, uh, does God actually have a what for us? Does he have a mission for us? And if he does, then we better know what that is because that should be the thing that is shaping not just the church, but us individually, our what, our mission. And so I kind of had this pretend conversation. If someone came up to me and said, hey, what is the what that God has for me? What is, does God have a mission for me? How would I actually answer that question? And so I wanted to walk through with you how I would answer that question. I'd share with them Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 just says, in the beginning, God. And I would say, you want to know what the mission or the what of your life is? The life of this church? It begins in Genesis 1.1. Why? Because it begins with God. What I love about Genesis 1.1 is it communicates to me, communicates to all of us, that there is a God, that God has been here before everything began, that God has revealed himself, that we can actually know God. We don't have to guess, is there a God? We don't have to guess, okay, if there is a God, then what is this God like? He's not like this distant force, this abstract being kind of, God says, in the beginning, I was there. And then the rest of chapter one walks through and this is what I've done. I'd say the, another thing I would share is Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Uh, I'm reading verse 1 again. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, and then verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God created him. Male and female, he created them. So I would tell that person, hey, there's God. And guess what? God created you. God created you. That means you're not an accident. You're not here by like just random chance by random happenstance. God created you to know him. God created you to have a relationship with him. God created you so that you could enjoy walking with him in the life that God has given you. Too many people wonder about things like purpose and origins and value and worth and significance. All of that comes from knowing the God who created you to walk with him. But then the story goes on, and I would explain to the person asking me, what is the what, what is the mission? God, God created me, created you to walk with him, but we decided to walk away from God and do our own thing. And it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, the woman was being Eve, uh, was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, and so she took took some of the fruit, ate it, and then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And I know this sounds like such a, gosh, why that story? It's just a piece of fruit. She wanted wisdom. What's the problem? What's the big deal? Well, because God said, I created you to know me, to walk with me. 
but I created you to walk in the direction where I'm going. And in that moment, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, humanity said, we want to walk in a different direction. We want to go our way because our way seems more pleasing, more pleasurable, more desirable. And so in that moment, we could ask the question, well, God, what are you going to do? The ones that you created to know you and to walk with you forever just walked away from you. God, what would you do? And let me personalize and just ask you the same question. What if someone you loved, what if someone, whether it's a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter, a best friend, someone that you absolutely loved, what if they said, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to walk with you. You're going that way. I want to go this way. I want nothing to do with you anymore. What would you do? How far would you go to make a way that would be possible for that person to walk once again with you? How much would you be willing to give to, to sacrifice so that the one that you loved as much as you love them would be able to walk with you again? Even though they said, I don't want to walk with you, how far would you be willing to go? And what I love about that question is God answers that question for us. If you want to know how far I'm willing to go to walk with the ones who walked away from me, I will come and I walk I will walk in their midst. And it says in John chapter 1, in the beginning, going all the way back to Genesis, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. It says in verse 14, the Word became flesh, meaning person, and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. God came and walked amongst a people who did not want to walk with him. But he said, but I love you, and I'm God, and I created you to walk with me. And even though you walked away from me, I will walk in your midst. And this is the, the picture of God became flesh. Jesus is God. Jesus is the word become flesh. And the picture that Jesus is, he didn't just come so that we could see what God looks like and be like, okay, I got it. That looks pretty cool. Jesus didn't just come to walk among us. Jesus, he came to give his life to pay the penalty for those who walked away from God, meaning me, meaning all of us. It says in Mark chapter 10, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what that means? The reason that Jesus came is so that he could be the one who would pay the penalty for all of us who walked away from God so that those that would look to God, look to Jesus in faith, would again be able to walk with God in perfect friendship, in perfect relationship. What happens in heaven? Do you ever wonder that? Like, what happens to you and I after we die and if we go to heaven? What, what is heaven actually going to be like? And Gen or Revelation, the last book of the Bible, says this, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. You want to know what heaven's going to be like? God's going to walk with you. God is going to walk in our midst. We will walk together in the presence of God. So again, if you're thinking, Michael, this person might not be tracking with you through all of this, my summary would simply be this. God created you to walk with him, but we walked away from God. But God loved you and I enough to walk in our midst, 
sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for those who walked away so that those who would look to Christ, to Jesus in faith, would walk with God both now and forever. So if the question is, what is the what that God has for you? What is the mission that God has for you? As I consider the story of God from Old Testament to New Testament, it would simply be summarized like this, helping all people walk with God. Helping all people walk with God. If you ask me, Michael, what is your what? What is your mission? I just want to help all people walk with God. I want to help all people, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, I want to help all people walk with God. And that doesn't just mean for the people who have never walked with God before. I want to help them walk with God for the very first time. But there are many of you here who are already in that relationship, are already walking with God. Well, you know what my heart for you is? I want to help you keep walking with God. Walking with God in the life that God wants all of us to live. So how does Genesis best articulate the what of what we're trying to do as a community, as a church? How would Genesis best articulate the mission of what we are committed to doing day in and day out? It's simple. We want to help all people walk with God. That's it. This is the filter that we use to say, will this help this person walk with God? If it does, then we will do it with absolute excellence. And if it doesn't, then we just say no to that. We be utterly focused on doing the what, the mission that God has given, not just to Genesis. I just want you to hear through that story I shared through Scripture, is this is the what for all Christians. I realize that maybe people will use different language, but at the end of the day, what we are to be doing with the life that God has given us is to walk with Him. And what we do with that is help other people walk with God as well. So is the what of our mission? Is it God-centered? Absolutely. Old Testament through New Testament, is this mission really what God told all of us to do? Absolutely. Jesus, the last thing he told a, a small group of men and women who were following him was this in Matthew 28. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all of the nations. Go into the entire world and help people walk with God. Teach them about God. Show them what God is like. Encourage them. Instruct them. Go into the entire world. Wherever you are, every person, help them walk with God. Why? Well, because God created them to walk with him. Question, is this what, is this mission, is it, is it God-sized? Meaning, do we actually need God in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our community to accomplish this what? And the answer is absolutely. Because one of the things that scriptures makes clear again and again and again is that no one can actually walk with God unless God is stirring in that person affections, desires for him. No matter what I do, I can't convince somebody to walk with God. No matter how eloquent I try to be, no matter how much effort I put into it, I can't make somebody walk with God. Only God can bring people to himself. And so it is a God-sized thing to say our mission, our what, is to help all people walk with God because if God doesn't accomplish that, it's not going to happen. So 
Here's a question. How would you and I know where God is at work in our lives? If people can't walk with God unless God is at work in that person's life, how would you and I actually know where it is that God is at work in, in someone's life? I wrote down the answer like this. If you are in their life, God is actively at work in their life. <laughs> if you're in their life and you are someone who is walking with God and you are in the life of somebody who is not walking with God, that right there is evidence to me that God is actively at work in that person's life. Why? Because of you. I don't know all that God's doing, but I know he placed you there, and he placed you there for the reason to help that person begin the relationship of walking with him. I wrote it down more in the journal. God places people who are walking with him in the path of those who are not, so that they too will begin to walk with him. For those of you today who are walking with God, I just want you to see that every person in your life has strategically been placed there by God. So that those in your life who do not know God would come to know God just by the way you walk with him. And every single person that is in your life, whether your neighbor, your coworker, someone you go to school with, someone that you work out with, the places that you eat, the places that you play, Every single person, God has strategically placed people who are walking with him in the path of those who are either struggling to walk with him or have never started to walk with him. He's placed you there so that you could help them walk with God. I'm convinced of that. Much of next week, we're going to talk about what does it look like to actually walk with God? What does that mean? But I wanted to begin to kind of finish with this, this question. And the question would just simply be, what would you be willing to do in order to help the people in your life who don't know God? What would you be willing to do to help that person begin to walk with God? And this is not like this heavy-handed, guilt-trip, manipulative type of question. I'm just convinced when I really think about what God did to make possible me even walking with him. The fact that God sent himself, he sent his son to walk among us so that I could walk with him again, completely free, completely forgiven, at peace with him. When I think about what he did to make a walk with me possible, I think about the question, what would I be willing to do? How much would I be willing to sacrifice in order to help somebody in my life who's either struggling or just does not know what a walk with God looks like, what would I be willing to do? A verse that has um, just shaped me over the past about 12 to 13 years is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm sure I read this verse years and years before that, but I remember when I, I came across this verse a little bit over a decade ago. It was 1 Corinthians 9. This is the Apostle Paul and he says, I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I was just so convicted by that one passage. This is a guy who said, I will do anything. I'll do anything and everything. I'll become all things to all people so that by all possible means there might be some who would make the decision to say, I want to walk with God placing my faith in Jesus. And I was just convicted because I 
I didn't share that conviction at the time. And so I just ask you again the question, what is it that you would be willing to do to help those in your life who either don't know God or are just struggling to know God? How far would you be willing to go to help that person? Is there anything that would just cost too much where you'd say, I can't do that? Any sacrifice that is just, and again, this is not guilt, this is not manipulation, this is not this emotional thing. It's just an honest, I consider what God did to enable me to walk with him. And what God has given me to do, what he's given you to do, what I believe he's given this church to do is to help all people, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done or haven't done, help people walk with God. What I've discovered, at least in my journey, is that I haven't really met someone who's like, well, that's a dumb idea. I've never met someone who's a Christian, uh, a follower of Christ, someone who's walking with God. I've never met someone who is like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. So I've never had that conversation where someone was trying to debate me on whether God wants us to do this. But the conversation that I have had is often the lie that people believe most about God that hinders them from being used by God to help other people walk with God is a lie that goes something like this. God would not want to use me to accomplish that. Michael, you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. There is no way that God would ever want to use me to help somebody else walk with him. And I just wanted to encourage you. That's a straight up lie. Because every single one of you are here because God wants you to hear in your head and your heart. God wants to use you to help the people in your life, whether it's your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your son, your daughter, your neighbor, your coworker, the people you work out with, the people you play with. God wants to use you in their life to help them walk with God. It is a straight-up lie from the pit of hell when we believe that God doesn't want to use us. God is saying to you, I want to use you to help other people walk with him. I wrote it down in my journal like this. God uses those who walk with him to help others walk with him. Imagine if you were for a moment, what if we all did it? Like what if all 250 of you right now, what if all of you said, you know what? This is my what? This is my mission. When I'm asked again, what is the what of what you were trying to do? You simply said, I'm trying to help all people walk with God. What if the entire church made the decision to say, you know what? This is what we're all doing. What we're all doing is we are all going to help people walk with God. We'll meet them exactly where they are, as God does, and we're going to help them walk with God. What do you think would happen? I wrote it down like this. We'd all have fresh stories of God at work in us and through us. You would have fresh, and what I mean by fresh is stories from yesterday, stories from last week, stories from last, fresh stories of how you see God at work in your life as you walk with him. Because that's what happens. When you walk with God, you're not the same. God starts doing things in your life. 
where there was anger and hurt and frustration and bitterness and lust and pride and arrogance and all of these things, God in your life as you walk with him begins to just fill you with freedom, with peace, with joy. So God, not only we have stories of God at work in our lives, but we have stories of God at work through our lives. And so our what? Our mission, helping all people walk with God. The vision, what, what, what happens if we accomplish that? That we would be men and women, an entire church that would be filled with fresh stories of God at work in us and God at work through us. I don't know about you, but don't you want to have fresh stories of what God's doing in your life? Like, do you know that every time somebody asks you the question, hey, how are you doing? That is an opportunity to tell a story. And wouldn't you love the story to be something different, greater, or better than, oh, I've just been really busy. Oh, I've been really tired. Oh, I'm really stressed. Oh, I'm freaking out. Wouldn't you want the story that you are telling is, you want to know how I'm doing? Can I just share with you something that happened yesterday? Yeah, I asked. I'd like to know. Well, this is what God did in my life yesterday. This is where God met me as I was walking with him. And this is where I got to see God at work through my life. I'm not opposed to people when they share stories of things that they saw God do 10 years ago. But I, I want you to know God doesn't want you to live off of old stories. He wants you to enjoy and be embraced by the fresh stories as we walk with him of all that he wants to do with us and through us. It's really, uh, this just happened in first service, and I was really encouraged. Um, in our, uh, uh, our budget, uh, Genesis budget, uh, we have this line item uh, called Random Acts of Kindness. Uh, and in that line item, uh, there's $1,000, uh, roughly $1,000 a month that we put towards this thing called Random Acts of Kindness. Uh, and that's just on my account, so... I prayerfully just walk through that month. Lord, is there somebody that I might meet that you would want to use the Genesis community and the generosity of Genesis, not me, but our church, just to bless somebody and to encourage somebody? And so this was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was having lunch uh, with my friend, uh, or dinner with my friend Derek, and uh, we were just talking. And to be honest with you, I don't even know what we were talking about, but we were just talking about God and what God's doing in our lives and just... You know, he's challenging me and encouraging me and inspiring me. And uh, the waitress comes up to us and she gives us the bill. Uh, and on the back of the bill, she writes this. Grateful to hear you guys talking so openly about your faith with everything going on in the world today. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. And as soon as I read that, it's like, that's a $1,000 tip for you right there. This is called random, okay? Meaning, I don't know her. I don't know what God's going to do with a random act of kindness. Someone came up to me today and said, hey, Michael, were you at this restaurant a couple weeks ago? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I just, this is a good friend of mine that doesn't know who God is and has been asking so many questions. And she came up. And she told me about this really random thing of a guy and his friend that were just talking about God. And I always, when we do this, I always sign on the tip uh, 
I forget exactly what I signed, but it's blessings from your friends at Genesis. And so she said, do you know this guy? And this girl was like, yeah, that's my pastor. That was so random to me. I have no idea who she is. It wasn't like we picked out that restaurant. But I just wanted to share that story with you to encourage you that every single person in your life, even if you think it's random, as simple as standing in line at Market Basket or Stop and Shop or wherever you go, whatever restaurant you eat, is an opportunity to help somebody walk with God. And as you do that, you're going to have fresh stories that you could never create on your own. You could never have scripted that, ever. But this reminded me again, Michael, I want you to have fresh stories. And fresh stories come from people who are walking with me and who are helping other people walk with me. And so this morning, I've been excited to share this with you for a long, long time because I I don't want there to be any confusion as to what is our what, as to our mission and what our mission is. And it's as simple as helping all people walk with God. That's what we are committed to. And that's what we invite you. If this is going to be your home, your community, the place where you want to walk with God, I want you to know what we are doing, what we believe God has invited us to do is simple. Help all people walk with God. So I'll ask you one more time, what is your what? What is your mission? Because if your what and your mission could best be summarized in, I want to help people walk with God too, then I just want to invite you, let's do it together. I want to invite you to be really clear and convinced of the what of your life. And I can't think of anything better that I could personally give myself to than to help other people walk with God. I will invest all of my life in that. And if that's your what, if that's your mission, then I invite you this morning to do that with us. Now, some of you have been coming for maybe a while Maybe today is your first day. And I wanted to invite those that are sitting here right now, for those men and women who are like, wow, I didn't know God wanted me to walk with him. I just assumed God was mad at me. God hated me because of the life that I've lived walking as far away from him as I can. And I believe wholeheartedly that the reason you're here in this moment, in this time, in this space, is so you could hear someone say to you, God loves you and he wants you to walk with him. And if you've never made that decision before, to say, I want to walk with the God who created me. I want to walk in close friendship, relationship with the God who did everything to make that even possible, not by my works, not by my best effort, then I want to invite you this morning to make that decision, to simply say, God, I want to walk with you. And the way, the only way we walk with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray here in a minute. And I just would invite you, if you have never made that decision, to walk with God by placing your faith in Jesus, I'm going to invite you to do that now.